Welcome, friends. Welcome to the podcast. We're going to dive into our sponsor, MageMarket.com. MageMarket.com is a fantastic, newly rebuilt tool to get your singles from the best, most reliable sources on the internet. So certainly go to MageMarket.com. Use promo code this week to save 5% on your order. And right now, they're offering a limited time free shipping on all orders within the next two months and six days. Six days. I'm not exactly sure why. I think it's just they're trying to actually cover the Christmas season. But certainly give them a try. There's a fantastic utility on this site that if you are looking for a particular card, but you're trying to get the best price on it, instead of just outright trying to buy whatever card is the cheapest, you can name your price. So if you're looking for that Oko, it's sitting at that $38. You can type in, you know, I'm waiting until it's 32. Post it and buyers such as, or excuse me, sellers such as myself can see that. And rather than wait for their card to sell, they can just simply, you know, grab your offer and instantly sell that to you. So it's not only buyer supported, it's seller supported as well. Give it a try. It's a really unique tool. Magemarket.com. Promo code this week to support the show for 5% off your entire order. And our charity of choice, magickids.org. Magickids.org is a fantastic Magic the Gathering charity. And the entire point of the charity is to get kids into magic. So if you go to their website, they have this wonderful program where they send, they build these kits with everybody's bulk cards or rare cards, whatever gets sent to them. And they send it to different instructors and teachers across the nation. So you can, number one, go to the website, magickids.org, donate money donate your cards, or become a volunteer teacher yourself for your local playgroup. It could be a library, extracurricular activity, school or homeschool event. Certainly check it out, magickids.org. All right, let's kick that podcast. Welcome Welcome to This Week in MTG with your host, Rob Zolson. Welcome, one and all boy and girl to this week in MTG. So in Minnesota this week, we have in November a hunting season that has begun. It's a two-week hunting season and I was kind of disappointed because I didn't get out, but I'm sitting on my Facebook feed looking and we see all these different, you know, white-tailed deer get taken because again, it's only a two-week season and I'm just thinking to myself as therapy, I wish... That was, you know, elk instead, just to, just to honor my hatred for Oko right now. But, uh, you know, I'm angsty. How are you feeling, CJ? I'm feeling pretty good. Much better than the last week, though. You, you sound better, but uh, I did enjoy that uh, that low, delicious voice of yours. Oh, do you like the raspiness? We all did. I think I got one viewer coming in and uh, messaging me whistle-whistle to tell you on the podcast. So uh, there's that for you. I should get sick more often. Ow, baby! Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we have a special guest today, Guillermo Robert. He's a writer from Cardsphere. How are you doing today, sir? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, wonderful you came on the show for us. And we want to utilize your expertise and knowledge of this episode and really go in a deep dive of Pioneer. So Pioneer is finally, the dust is selling off of it. They went through a couple bands. We're expecting another band tomorrow. And we're just excited to get your, you know, expert opinion. I know that you're a strategist and really watch the meta quite uh, vividly of modern and other formats. But where do you think, if you're just trying to sum it up, where's Pioneer and don't say Oko? <laughs> no, I mean, Oko has made a few incursions in, uh, in some lists. It's not as polarizing as, uh, as standard and as modern can be right now. There's been a clear shift since the free-for-all of the first... I want to say 10 days between the format announcement and the first uh, BNR update. There's another one, which I, I'm not sure I would qualify it as significant, but there should be like a few pieces of uh, currently dominant decks that could get the boot. It's in flux. It's the feedback for, for on the format is just tremendous. Like every, everyone just love playing it. it the, 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 the biggest comment is like, it's exactly what people have been clamoring for modern to become for a while. Star City Games just wrapped up their Invitational this weekend, and they had to change the format from Standard to Pioneer. And it was just a blast to watch. Like, it, it's it's a good format for now. I'm, I'm hoping that Watsi is going to manage it in the in the way they should have managed Modern at first. So, what was the reaction seeing people, you know, 
there's no standard. I just can't wrap my head around that there's an actual professional competition without a standard format. There was nobody, you know, out crying. It was just high viewership. But it was it was kind of the same thing uh, back when Monored was everywhere. I think it was like a year and a half ago. It was just Monored mirrors all over the place. And it's it's some people liking. I have to admit, in standard, uh, the Simic mirrors, it tests a lot of the uh, the actual skills of, of the pilots. And it's not to everyone's liking. I can understand that. And it makes the format a little stale. We'll see what tomorrow brings. There are some cards that should not have been printed in standard. I'm thinking about Once Upon a Time. What? We'll see. I mean, come on. Casting turn zero anything feels good. We need we need something in that every eon or so in standard just to remind them of uh, you know where the power cap is. Yeah, but if it becomes like a noto, like if every green list starts with four Once Upon a Time, you have a problem. Uh, that 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 would be fair. Well, we're going to save the rest of the conversation for the second half of the show, but let's dive into the news. So, CJ, what you got for us? Uh, well, right now, Sao Paulo is going on for their Magic Fest. Next up is Columbus, and that's going to be next weekend. Next month, they've got the Mythic Championship 7 and Magic Fest Brisbane on the same weekend. Ooh. So lots of mystery packs hitting the market at that time, I'm assuming, right? Oh, I can't wait to get me some mystery packs. The the, the foam at the mouth. but uh, So this week in finance, we had some changes go around. The spikes this week is Is It Charms really uh, spiking up. I need to go through my collection because I have a ton of Is It Charms just sitting around in bulk. It went from you know under bulk price to we're seeing different uh, copies of this go you know three four dollars a piece. So certainly check your uh, your collections. Is it charm once again? Is one blue one red instant, and it gives you ability to choose one, either counter target non creature spell unless the controller pays two, do two damage to target creature, or draw two cards then discard two cards. So hyper flexible. It's been used in modern and a lot of different decks in the past, and of course this is the new pioneer staple. So certainly check your copies. Bolt card now hitting high prices. And number two is Rekindling Phoenix. So we saw a lot of this during the tail end of the mono red crisis that you were talking about, Gilmo. And it just makes sense that, of course, this would be part of Pioneer. So we're seeing this go from a couple bucks up to 10 bucks already. And it looks like it's seemingly going to keep climbing. Rekindling Phoenix is a four drop, two colorless, two red. Creature Phoenix, it's a four three flying that when it dies, create a 1-0 red elemental creature token, and at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice this creature and return Rekindling Phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield and it gains haste. So definitely a mean recursion card in red formats. And number three is Mystical Dispute. And I'm surprised it took this long to go this high because a three drop, two colorless, one blue instant, that allows you to counter any spell unless they pay three, or counter target blue spell, but it costs two less. So of course you're going to use that in sideboard for modern. You're going to ha- even add this potentially to commander because worst case scenario, you're still um, countering a spell for, for three. So that's still the going rate. It's just being utilized in a lot of different places and being an uncommon. Certainly check your collections. That uh, I don't think that 270 is going to be lasting forever, but it's picked up in a lot of different places. So some of the low pickups is Glimpse of Nature has been a modern staple for a while. And being printed in the Kamigawa set, there's not a lot of printings going out. But uh, again, we've seen an all-time low. We're seeing it go down to about 14 bucks. And I didn't check the list to see if this was one that's going to be reprinted in the Mystery Boosters. If it's not, I doubt it's going to be reprinted anytime soon without, outside of being printed in some sort of Commander set. Next is Yorok the Desecrated. And this card is five uh, cost, two colorless black, green, blue. Legendary creature, death touch, lifelink, and if a permanent enters the battlefield and causes a triggered ability of a permanent you would control, double that. So it's a panharmonicon on a, a commander. Certainly if you want to pick this up for your commander decks, it's $7 now. And of course, the first sliver is keep on sliding down. We're not seeing a lot of sliver played modern, and everybody that has commanders has their copies. So $6.71. and uh, 71 cents. I got a feeling that that's going to be $5 is going to be about the cap for that. So certainly look for your copies before they start going up when printing stops happening. All right, CJ, what is the standard deck of the week? 
Today, today we're going to be talking about Rakdos Aristocrats. With this deck, I've really liked this deck even before Oko became a big thing. I, I'm a huge fan of, of Rakdos. Just... It's got a lot of burn, a lot of a lot of fast. It's got a lot of answers to a lot of different things. You know, Rankle is in this list. Rankle, he's a he's a four drop, flying haste. Whenever he deals combat damage to a player, each player discards a card, or each player loses one life and draws a card, or each player sacrifices a creature. That could be huge in any type of staple deck. You know, it runs its cauldron familiars and its ovens. It's got to have those Chandra Acolyte of Flames so it can make those elementals to just keep sacrificing for free. Pair all of that up with a Mayhem Devil. Anytime someone sacrifices anything, it deals one damage to any target. It's a good way to get rid of Oko if you get your staples out for this deck fast enough and just windle people down. I think that this deck is has potential because, again, everything right now is dominated by Oko, but tomorrow we're going to get a ban, and I hope it's the Elk Boy. So if it is the Elk Boy, we have to look past the Elk Boy. And right now we have a lot of different types of removal spells for a Rakdos-style deck. You know, Claim the Firstborn, Angress Rampage, Noxus Grasp, and we also have you know a lot of different sacrifice synergies. So what better time to get in to make that uh, Kitty Cat Oven deck while it's still in rotation? So our Pioneer deck list is Mono Black Aggro, trying to go in the theme of the first standard uh, deck. And what we're seeing is when Pioneer first came out, the first thing that Brewers went to is some of the stuff they remembered that used to be broken in old standard uh, formats. And Gary, of course, is the Mono Black single drop deal damage with Devotion. But this is actually changing the pace. They're using a lot of these uh, same staples you see in standard to make a aggro deck instead. There's a lot of one-drops like Blood Soak Champion from Kanza Tarkir, Gutter Bones, which again came from the last Ravnica series, Knight of the Ebon Legion, which has been disgusting in almost all of the uh, you know free play standard matches I've been doing on Arena, and utilizing stuff from Kaladesh like Nar uh, Knight Market Lookout. Night Market Lookout, just to remind people, it's been a while since we played this card. Whenever Night Market Lookout becomes tapped, each opponent loses one life and gains one. So it's just another way to creep around and speed around using different pieces like Smuggler, Smuggler's Copter to tap down those creatures. So certainly check this out. It's a very unique way of doing black that uh, we just seem to have the pieces for. And again, you can find these deck lists where... Uh, selecting some just trying to pick the meta right now especially for pioneer format because it's continually evolving so go to mtggoldfish.com and you'll certainly be able to find a lot of the rotating meta including these decks that we have listed right now all right what's the modern deck cj um the modern deck is the urza artifacts with a splash of green to add oko and gilded goose so i'm i'm super upset did you just say oko in a blue deck that's right. Oh, so I want to say that this is to get enough tokens out to make everything that much more hectic with Urza and Emery and you know the gooses gets it out for, gets you one for on turn one like it's nothing. On top of that, you can throw down some Mox Opals. So they're just taking you know the different uh, Urza or Wurza combos and they just can't leave the Elks alone. So they have to find a way to splash green in. And some gooses, just so they have more food combo, and make sure that they're still choking out modern as well. So according right. to, according to this, SCG tour, um, IQ and uh, wait, Elkhart. Someone had someone must have had fun with this Elkhart. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of if you go to the, a lot of these Magic the Gathering websites, you'll see they're using elk on everything or. You know, when there should be like a published name or location has been turned into elk. So even the meme won't leave me alone. It just continually spreads everywhere, so I can't take a lot of this data seriously. But did you see any of these on the uh, some of the latest uh, tours there, Gimo? Um, I, I have seen um, uh, a few of them. Right now we're looking at, uh, right at the top list of um, MTG Goldfish. It's labeled as blue-green, and then it says black, which has black pieces in the sideboard, artifacts. But uh, I'm seeing a lot of different builds taking the, you know, the Wurza or even Urza decks and just oh. splashing it in because they have all these free permanents that they're dropping or one-cost permanents, that why shouldn't they just be Elks? Well, I mean, the, <laughs> the biggest detail of Oko, like, in that build is 
it gives you like a free land every turn, essentially, when you have Urza out. And it's also a way to control, because this is, and that branches into what R&D at WotC actually, uh, actually admitted on one of their uh, Twitch stream recently. They never considered that people would use the plus one as a defensive ability, targeting the opponent's creatures. I mean, most people that you know play in arena, they don't really put two and two together that food is an artifact. So you're, especially in modern, you're going to use that for the metal craft spikes for stuff like Mox Opal. You're going to be using it for mana for Urza. You can use it for sack outlets for other different pieces. It just adds mm -hmm. more pain and pressure. I think that uh, if they were to ch uh, do something in the future, they would errata food to be a non-artifact permanent of some sort. I mean, for the for Oko in itself, I really think, I, I could be wrong, but I, I think the people's perception of the card would be vastly different if the plus one was actually a minus one. Oh, absolutely. Uh, make it now, feel I, more like I, something I from War of the Spark. Thinking. Yeah. Having a pos like, positive step uh, doesn't uh, allow you to make better choices. You're like, oh, well, because it can, I'm just going to get some food. Right. I mean, it's three mana, six loyalty planeswalker. You get a free permanent that gains you life if you need to. I mean, it's tough to overcome. And if and with the goose, if you can land that on turn two, like, it's, if you don't have the grasp right away, noxious grasp to take care of it, like, you're far behind already. So if you've learned anything from this, is that if you're playing modern, look at your deck that you already have and think to yourself, is there a way I can put Oko in it because I bet I'm going to find one. Some people don't even look for a way. They just jam it in. Just, you think guess what? I'm playing Mono Red Burn with a side of Oko. <laughs> <laughs> like, it gives you an alternate plan, you know, like you can, you can start making 3-3 three, three, because, again, you... You bring it in play, make a food next turn, make a th make a three three essentially with haste with that same food token that you made, and you still have a planeswalker with seven loyalty. Like you never lose. So I have a couple friends that play a you know was a tier three deck. It's the um, polymorph into spaghetti monster plan. So polymorph I believe is a four drop instant sacrifice a creature. Look through your deck or reveal cards from your deck until you reveal a creature. That creature is now ca uh, cast for free. So all you do is put two copies of Emmercruel in your deck, and suddenly that's your only creature. So when you play Polymorph, you just get to play a free Emmercruel. So even with that, they're like, oh, I can't play that deck anymore. Why? Because Oko's here, and it's going to turn it to an L. Can I lose my strategy? <laughs> What's a f there's a funny thing to do with Oko, then, if you're looking to play creatures for free. Play Oko on turn two or three, depending on if you have an accelerant. You make a food, and the next turn you play a modern card that is not widely known as Shape Anew, which is a sorcery for three and a blue, and it's, a, it's essentially a polymorph for artifact, and you go get Blightsteel Colossus. See, now now that's a new Timmy Timmy idea that I gotta give a try to. <laughs> gotta get on that. So, Well, moving on from the decks, we have some more news. So, Mystery Boosters were essentially leaked out, and there are going to be 1,694 reprints in the Mystery Booster packs. That is a ton of cards. On top of it, we're having 121 new cards from the set. And I think the interesting thing that they're doing to this is you can look this up. I uh, use any tool, Scryfall, and look up some of the cards. They're going to have a tiny logo in the bottom left-hand corner. It's going to be the magic planeswalker, plane chase symbol. And that shows that it's been reprinted from the mystery boosters, but they're keeping all the artwork original. So some of the reprints they have in here, and I'm going from price on this, because there is a ton of different deck cards. So Carpet of Flowers is a one-drop enchantment from Urza's block. During your up uh, main phase, you may add up to X mana of one color to your mana pool, where X is the number of islands target opponent controls. So this has the old frame, old logo, the brown text space, they're keeping it, they're just putting a Planeswalker symbol in the bottom so you know that it's a reprint, which I think is really cool keeping the original uh, borders because it makes it feel like somehow Wizards are doing a repack, uh, repack but these are actually being completely reprinted. So they're going to have their normal set logos, but certainly check this out. They have some major high-end cards in the set. Just to go over a few, we have Bloom Tender. It's a two-drop 
elf uh, creature druid. Tap for each color among permanents you control. Add one mana of that color to your mana pool. So really big card, only printed in, I believe, the Lorwyn block. Um, Ara Shards, it's a three-drop enchantment. Whatever a creature you control enters the battlefield. Um, you may destroy target artifact or land. We're getting Broodmother, which is a six-drop dragon that has the ability to devour. So at the beginning of each upkeep, put a 1-1 red-green dragon token into play with Devour 2. So it just keeps on dropping things that grow. We're seeing a lot of powerhouse pieces here. A couple other cards I'm pretty excited about is Elish Norn. Uh, Elish Norn's coming through this, this set. It's a 7-drop, uh, 4-7 seven seven with Vigilance. It gives your creatures a plus 2, plus 2, and creatures your opponent's control a neg 2, neg 2. And another card that a lot of people can't really get because it's 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 too good and pretty expensive is Expropriate if you like taking those extra turns. Uh, this is definitely one of those cards that you want to pick up because it's a it's a nine drop that's starting with you. Each player gets to vote for time or money, and for each time vote, you get to take an extra turn after this one. For each money vote, you get to basically just steal a permanent from the person that said money. <laughs> so if if you're that type of guy that steals stuff or likes to take those extra turns, you cannot go wrong with this card. Excellent. Mana Crypt, a zero-cost artifact that's essentially a better soul ring. It taps for two mana, but it has a downside that at the beginning of your upkeep, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, Mana Crypt deals three damage to you. So this is a staple in every commander deck ever, but it's a $200 card. There's not a lot of ways to get a hold of it. It was printed in Eternal Masters is the most common way to get a hold of it. So they're doing a reprint in this set. That's going to be the big get of these mystery boosters. Teferi's Protection which again, three drop, instant, white card. Until the end, uh, until your next turn, your life total can't change. All of your permanents are, have protection from everything. All your permanents phase out and then exile to various protections. So it's that one, I'm gonna get out of jail free card that you get in white for commander. So really fun shenanigans that come in commander cards on top with a lot of other staples, including I think they focus a lot for Pioneer in here because there's a lot of Theros cards, Dragons of Tarkir cards, but certainly check it out. There's a long, long list of reprints. All right, CJ. So what's uh, next on our list? MTG Arena is doing a historic event soon where 20 new cards are entering the format, and that's just going to be in the next few days. On November 21st, new cards are going to be put into the historic format with a best of three queue that will start November 21st and end January 15th. The entry costs are only going to be about 200 gems or a thousand gold. So really just complete one or two challenges and you'll be able to enter in these events and just keep going and try to win more packs in the game. So what are some of the key reprints that they're doing? I shouldn't say reprints, adding it to the rotation. It's arena we're talking about. They are adding a Sarah Ascendant uh, Souls Warden, so we're putting in... So right there, they're giving pieces to have a Soul Sisters combo in Historic. Right, and the ever-so-lovely Ornithopter, the Zero Drop Flying Zero Two, and the Mind Stone. So I'm confused. If This is Historic, so his, the original um, format for Arena started Ixalan, is that correct? Yes. So that would be why Ornithopter was not It's not a part of Kaladesh. That makes sense then. Mm-hmm. I, I see other pieces here, like Burning Tree Emissary, which is in a lot of, you know, goblin combo decks. And I think the most thing that I'm surprised of seeing is Treasure Hunt. Why would they put Treasure Hunt in here? No guesses? Because there are people like Saffron Olive that they're going to try to bust it open. I don't know. <laughs> Just so they can have that weird land combo i i really don't see uh why they would put much that love here. to seth for the record like it's just takes a lot of dedication to come up with deck ideas like he does but i don't know there, there's gonna be some people that find a way to break that i just it's the one card that i have to pick out of all of this that makes me a touch concerned otherwise everything seeming in here is decently healthy besides you know the couple power pieces like sarah Ascendant or even you know fauna shaman that uh, And just for people that don't know, Fauna Shaman is a 2-drop elf shaman creature. It's 2-2. Two, two. Pay 1, tap it, discard a creature card from your hand, insert your library for a creature card, reveal it, and put it into the battlefield. So 
that definitely has some combo pieces. It's easily removed because it's only a 2-2, so it's within shock range. So I think it's decently healthy, but uh, they had some fun for sure with this. They definitely had some fun. I noticed it, but I didn't really pay attention when it came out. I'm not sure it was smart to have Iritsugu's second right, which is like three and a red instant. If target player has exactly 10 life, this card deals 10 damage to the player in a software that is mar by mono red being rampant in a lot of queues do we really want to give them free win more that's exactly what i was about to point oh that's the card that i am most afraid of that's coming into this historic set because because of of what it can do and how fast you can lose from it if up against it well, they're just realizing that it's an Oko set and they need some sort of edge against it. Maybe that we're just thinking all wrong here, guys. We just got to stop, take a breath and go, oh, it's, it's, this is to go against Oko. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, personally, I'm excited for Dark Steel Reactor, but that's just because the kind of degenerate that I am trying to win with. Like, I've, I've been trying to break Happy Ever After for a while. I'm probably going to try to break Dark Steel Reactor when he, when he comes out. It's, I don't know. So for listeners, Dark Steel Reactor is a four-cost artifact that has Indestructible. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a charge counter on it. Then, when it has 20 or more counters, win the game. So, again, I think that's another uh, against-the-odds brew, I think is what you're mentioning before. I uh, I don't know how they're going to, you know, populate the, or perif- proliferate the counters on it is definitely going to be a, an idea, but I haven't seen that one really win anywhere, so it'd be nice to see a, a home for that card for sure. Well, isn't there like a blue uh, spell mage in War of the Spark that every time you play an instant or sorcery, you can populate? Yes, a, a proliferate. I believe that is a, is a thing. There's also yeah, a, proliferate, yeah. a green drop that I think taps for mana that does the same thing. You get to choose that or do something else. There's also one that says choose three, and proliferate is one of those choices, and you can choose the same mode more than once. That's it. We're just going to have to brew this and get back to you for historic <laughs> and get this out uh, out in the in the world. The next couple things is we have a update, uh, two updates from Mark Rosewater. I'll do the first one. And Mark Rosewater wants to let you know that please don't use the test cards that they printed in the Mystery Boosters for the events only. Otherwise, they can't print them again. So the idea is that if they see a lot of people adding them to their decks in casual circles, it adds uh, it adds value to those and technically devalues the hard work and effort they've put into normal cards. So you kind of get it, but it makes you chuckle. Like, you knew people are going to add them to their collections and have fun kitchen table with them, right? They're going to put value to anything that you put in a booster, so I don't know what you're asking here. You can see on his uh, the whole post, it's quite detailed and lengthy how he wrote it out. His uh, blog is Blogatog. He's very famous for a- answering any degenerate question that people throw at him. Mark Rosewater is a real treasure because he takes on the PR head first, and he does a really great job with it being head of R&D. But what's the other uh, post that we have from on Blogatog there, uh, CJ? The majority of players don't play Commander or Brawl, and he was asked if he has any numbers to back this up, and he basically just shut him down by saying, yes, the data says it might currently be the most played constructed format, and I I think that I agree with him 100%. He says that by a f- uh, far majority. He forgets right. that how many people you know try to play with cards they own, and uh, you know we actually started a conversation, Guillaume, was uh, talking that he's never really played uh, a, a commander set before, and you know that just comes with here's your card pool. I can build card pool. I can build anything I want with it, and it just gives more luck to it. Whereas the constructed formats, you know, show a lot more determination and deck building, sideboarding, and uh, I compared to rock paper. Sometimes rock paper scissors in some formats, but uh, there's a lot more consistency if you draw. You have four copies of it, so no, just interesting to finally get those stats. Right. Well, I, I agree with, with him about it being the most played format only because from a personal experience for the past few weeks, I've been going to, you know, FNM Friday Night Magic at the LGS in my area. And there's been maybe seven people for standard and a few people for, you know, all the for modern and for pioneer. But this past Friday, we didn't have enough people for any of the events to do anything. So one person was like, who's got a commander deck and all 17 of the people that were there were like, I do. So we just scrapped doing standard and modern and pioneer that night and did a commander event instead and had five pods. 
of, of 17 people playing commander and it was it was a huge blast i think that's a really common in a lot of the casual communities that they just uh you know they, they've had a lot of drafts or they just don't have the you know equal play style but guess what everybody still has that one commander deck they threw in their backpack let's let's throw it down so well the last bit of news is and this confuses me so this week we have one of the books that came out i believe it's called forsaken and it just tells more of the magic backline story as they continue to do so and there were some reflections on the I, the sexual identity of chandra due to a, a few lines in there and they wanted to come out um i'm just going to read this here i know that uh this compromise may not be satisfying to everybody but we've talked over with Hasbro, and they're concerned about an openly LGBTQ plus character would be negatively received in China. So, I mean, we feel that one day of the week is better. So they decided that Chandra is only going to be bisexual on Thursdays. <laughs> I wonder how that works. Everything that ever happened between Nissa and Chandra is now proclaimed to happen on a Thursday. So, uh, in honor of this, I just want to say, uh, you know, I don't know, what do we call this? Super Hug Thursdays, and then Friday Night Magic, we go back to being our normal identities. Love it. Love it. We'll just, uh, we'll have to do that. So, uh, <laughs> we'll call it, uh, I Touched an Elk Thursdays. Yeah? No? I no mean, one? Three elks aren't that bad. <laughs> no one? <laughs> That's it. I'm putting you in antlers after the show right away. That's you have no choice, CJ. I'll wear them every episode. Well, at least through Christmas. That way we can call you the reindeer. I can get down with that. <laughs> All right. All right, Gimo. Um go ahead and take the take the wheel. So we want to know again your idea of number one, how is Pioneer showing up in a competitive scene? You know, what are we seeing as the meta starting to actually build for the first time? And what are your some of your recommendations? Right, so um, it was a busy weekend. Um, there was a PTQ on um, MTGO on Friday. Um, started relatively early, like around 4 p.m. Eastern time. It's a banned ram list that won it. Running Hour of Promise, Growth Spiral, Sphinx Revelation, once upon a time, because of course it has to, uh, to essentially um, bring four Field of the Dead, and it's just the same strategy as the... Uh, the field of the Z decks that uh, that were running rampant in standard before uh, before the ban. Hour of Promise is a good addition. It was still cheap up until last week. You could find copies for like forty cents, but now it's up to like two or three. I haven't checked the, the latest prices. It's been consistent. the The aspect of it is that it's it likely doesn't care very much about what the opponent is doing. It's just trying to download on its own corner. It has a few protection pieces: Teferi Time Reveler. Uh, like I said, some life gain with Sphinx Revelation. It is consistent. It looks promising, so I would expect it to show up in more um, tournaments. Uh, second place went to the Elephant in the Room, Mono Green Devotion. Uh, something's going to have to go from this. Uh, there's various rumors of whether it's going to be Burning Tree Emissary or Nykthos or Nissa. I, if I were in charge, and God help everyone if I ever am, um, <laughs> I would I would kick Nissa because if you can go a turn where you go turn one, forest elf, turn two, how does it go? Burning tree, uh Nykthos, Nissa, and tap Nykthos, and you can keep looping. Like you can have stupid turn two or turn three. I think yeah, I think I've seen turn threes where you you can land Nissa and Vivian and like a huge uh uh, a huge hydra so well i mean anything this... that doubles mana you have that curve that you know four mana or five mana is kind of the sta standard for doubling mana but then you have the up curve of it adds more devotion number one and number two it actually has a upside it can either take a, a you know do the up ability or down ability so you're, you're going way above right. and beyond the curve for doubling mana is yeah something like that should either you know somehow lower its devotion or at least have a, a bit bigger downside Really, and and they try to take care of the doubling mana with the um, with the Lee line that, that it just was removed like on the first announcement. That that's funny. 
the way it happened is that um, the Saturday before the first um, ban and restricted announcement, Todd Anderson, who's like a known, well-known faces for his work with uh, Star City Games, uh, among other places, he ran uh, a monogreen devotion list, the original one, through a PTQ, and he went 13-1, and one, and he lost the semifinals of that, uh, of that first Pioneer PTQ. The next, so the following Monday, two days later, they ban both of Nissa and Leeline, and he proceeds to go nine and zero in the following PTQ the the next Friday, like five days later. The list barely suffered at all from those two bannings. That was scary. So I think the conversation changes to more of a, you know, what's the meta doing versus what do you really think is going to get banned tomorrow? Because right now we're shooting this on Sunday. Tomorrow is the uh, the big ban. Right. So if I just look at the meta right now, um, there was a Pioneer Challenge today while the Invitational for Star City Games was going on. And from what I found, at least four of the top eight decks were uh, four copies of the Moto Black decks that you were talking about earlier in the cast. The one with... Uh, the aggro. Which one was it? The Mono yeah. Black aggro. Not the one the with Mono Gary. The aggro. The aggro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the one with uh, with Gary. The one the, the, actually, it's the one that won the Invitational too. That deck is just it lost one game through the top eight of the Invitational. Uh, Chris Baron won the event with Mono Black Aggro. Went three three zero three one three zero. He beat Bank Ramp three zero. He beat Gruul Aggro three one, and he beat Mono Green Devotion three zero in the finals. So it's not even like. He faced favorable matchup the whole way through. No, like the deck, the, the the thing with this deck, this mono black aggro list is that if you look at the list, those creatures they just never die. You can always bring them back. And if you go turn one, uh, night market lookout, turn two, smuggler's copter, you're way ahead already. The copter is something that if it doesn't get banned on Monday, which I don't really think it needs to, because for now there are options, they're limited, but there are options. It and if Mono Black continues to dominate, I could see Copter go. I think there's just a lot more removal that people aren't uh, aren't utilizing because that's anytime you have a two piece uh, combo, it's on the uh, the fringe of uh, being a. Uh, being shut down i don't think people are just are realizing it smuggler's copter is going to be utilized here and there and everybody should have a piece of you know artifact removal and it's not that it's definitely hard it's it becomes a creature so it has a weak point so I, again I, i'm right. with you there where i don't think it absolutely needs to i just think that uh this deck has a real potential of of being really uh really toxic it, even like it, it, using it, it, the scrap heap scrounger because it continually recurs i think that's even going to be a harder piece Right. So for the so there's two ways to approach this. Like if I, if we just look at Smuggler's Copter just for you know one more time, a card like a Braid, for example, can take off Copter with both modes, either with the three damage or with the with the artifact artifact uh, destroying capability. The thing with cards like Copter is like if they warp, if they dominate too much, they might force other decks to warp themselves. Just like Oko, like either you have you run Oko or you run a deck that can take care of it, and that's not really where they want to have Pioneer go. So that's for Copter. Like until it becomes a threat that becomes absolutely necessary to take care of in other decks, I don't think they're going to get rid of it. For the rest of the creatures, because of their recursion, you have to find a way to exile them. So it's either going to be Anger of the Gods, Saddle the Wreckage, or uh, there was um, in Battle for Zendikar there was an Infest card for one and two black that gave minus two minus two and would exile if they go to the to the graveyard. They're probably like others. I think Cry of the Canario might do the same thing in the current standard. I'm not sure. I would have to look it up. Yeah, that's why I thought this deck was going to be in a good place, but it's just showing that it has enough powerhouse cards just to be that, that much on top. Right, and if you look at the list, it has 24 creatures, 24 lands, 12 spells, and out of the 12 spells, it's 4 copters, 4 fatal push, 4 thousies. So there's literally 8 cards for interactions with the opponent. The rest is which player creatures, it's creature sideways. Yeah. Yeah, using stuff like Murderous Rider to have more hate on the stick on top of it just uh takes it that much further. Yeah, that that was one of the great additions like cuz you have it's essentially like two cards in one, right? Like we've seen that with adventure decks. Like it's well positioned right now and as was the case with Mono Green, like the the second that a deck like this like I said, when it's gonna, because the, the results are not posted yet, but I've seen someone mention the 
the the the guy who finished second in the in the challenge actually posted his um his uh, his matchups and if you look it's like oh i ran mono black and i finished second who did you play in the quarters mono black would you play in the, in the semis mono black would you play in the finals mono black so that's that's at least four decks in the top eight and when people are going to see this we know that there's going to be a fraction of the populace that's going to be like oh it needs a banning get rid of copter no just tried there are solutions out there just try to find them right so again what are your recommendations because i'm writing this down your full-on recommendations for what's banned in pioneer tomorrow <sighs> come on um let's hear those bets man where are you putting the ponies first i'm going to talk about an unban oh okay i would bring back oath of nissa all right oath's coming back because that proved it didn't do anything so why not bring it back the reason why they try to nerf mono green by removing it but it also nerfed completely any Vanifar decks or any Super Friends decks too. So it, it killed too many things with just the, the one move. So maybe I could see a case for, for it bringing back, but that's just personal preference at this point. For the Bennings, I would think I would take a hard look at Copter. I would take a hard look at either Nykthos or Nyssa, but I'm more inclined to go Nyssa because of the crazy lines it can bring and because we have a Theros set on the way. So do they really want to get rid of something that cares about devotion when we have a set coming up that will care about devotion, likely? I don't know. Who knows? The next card I would look at uh, is Nexus of Fate. Because the Simic Nexus deck is uh, is rising in popularity. Like more, people's are playing, more people are playing it. And it's still as consistent as the standard iteration was. So are they using any uh, change in combos? Like, for instance, are they using new pieces? Was that uh, Mystic Sanctuary? Mystic Sanctuary is... Uh, well, it doesn't really interact with, uh, with Nexus, right? Because Nexus just shuffles itself back. Right, but I'm saying, like, recur draw cards. Oh, it, right. The whole idea um, is just refine that card. So I'm looking at the at one that finished 11th at the, at the PTQ this past uh, Friday. And it runs two Tamiyo from uh, War of the Spark. Four Wilderness Reclamation, two Blink on Fanai, four Dig Through Time. So, right. When you have a deck if, with between Tamiyo and Dig Through Time, you will find your Nexus of Fate. So, if there's any deck that that is likely to push Dig Through Time through the door, it's probably going to be like a Nexus deck. The, the surprising thing I'm deck. seeing is they're using three Fable Passage just to continue to thin down the deck. So, they're using stuff like that and Castle Vantress instead of Mystic Sanctuary. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Mystic Century, you can actually find it. Um, there are some uh, Grixis and uh, Sultai mid-range lists. The Sultai mid-range um, is actually quite interesting, where they would use uh, Mystic Sanctuary to bring back cards like uh, Drown in the Log, things like this, to uh, to act as a pseudo uh, Snapcaster Mage, in a sense, just to have the, re the, the rebuy possibility. I, it's definitely something, like if you don't have your foils yet of, uh, of Mystic Sanctuary, I would try to get them just because it also sees increased playing modern. I got three out of my four foils. I gotta have one more. I'm having the entire mono blue mill strategy and standard foiled out. Gotta have it. Now, one deck, um, if I can mention one deck that is on the rise and is not really spoken about, it's blue-white control. I've seen a lot of people come up. I, there's finally some convergence towards a shell of blue-white control that seems to be working. And the, the win condition is either uh, Teferi, Arrow of Dominaria, uh, where you just like tuck it and never, you know, you never mill yourself. Uh, or uh, one copy of um, Elspeth from Theros. And there's been a lot of iterations of this. What I like to see, and you're going to laugh at me for this, they need to take this, you know, blue-white combo deck, the, the a tempo, control, however you want to want to label it and they need to instead of focusing on that they need traumatize and frank sanity they, they need to do this man come on now i would be lying if i were to say that i didn't run a deck like that but oh like <laughs> i knew it i smelt it in the air well the of course i mean those two cards are like okay i have to play them together have to it's it's a must yeah there are some um some strategies like um like one thing i've been working on on the side is uh mono blue devotion with uh, Naban, I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. Right, Naban, Dean of Iteration, for one in a blue, legend, 2-1, human wizard, 
If a wizard entering the battlefield under your control causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Wait, wait. And so you're you're calling the Panharmonicon wizard? The right, it's Panharmonicon wizard. And guess who's a wizard? You are Harry. Wall. <laughs> yes, with a scar and everything. You're a Harry uh, wizard. Well, there are two wizards I would love to bring into play when these guys on the battlefield uh, in Mono Blue Devotion. Number one is Gadwick from Throne of Eldraine. All the draw cards that are from the latest. The set. X, X, blue, blue, blue. Uh, you draw X when it enters the battlefield. And uh, Master of Wade is a wizard. Well, that and you're going to add Torrential Gearhulk as an honorary wizard because it casts things again. Oh, yeah, of course. Lovely blue wolf. So how about so, how about budget decks? Do you see any uh, budget decks coming out of left field? I think the only one that I really caught my eye is say like the the Pummeler combo. I think that can be just it has such a, a good one skill yeah, curve and, uh, that people don't really put two and two together with. I think that's going to be huge and possibly using the uh, Mazes End combo. <laughs> I was running a gate deck in standard until very recently. So yes, of course, Mazes End is another favorite of mine. Well, a field I run gates currently. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Field of the Dead's going to be a thing that's going to rotate out. They're going to want to use their gate pieces somehow. I mean, and you really don't need that many, right? Like, if you think about it, with Wilderness Reclamation, you can even bring your gates in, gates in play. You can go get them. Scapeshift is in the format, right? There's, there's multiple ways you can look at it. Think about it this way. You put Fires of Invention in play, Enchantment, you can play... Uh, spells uh, with uh, mana cost equal to the number of lands you have in play and the next turn you play scape shift and splendid reclamation you got your 10 lands so before we get too far away from this i need to go back to this list so just to review you're calling out that they're going they have a possibility of unbanning the oath of nissa there that's it's really like more of a personal wish like what what i would do is try to bring it back Okay, so you'd like that to bring back, but again, what I'd like to do is write in a list just so people can go, ha, I knew he was right, and give me, like, (laughs) if you're going to put the cards down, what's going to be banned? So we have Actual Nyssa, Nykthos, Nexus of Fate, and Copter. Yeah, Nexus of Fate is really, like, the the furthest from from the Benhammer, but right now the closest, I would think. You're you're telling us it's going to be banned in Pioneer tomorrow, like if you were going to bet money. Okay, so if you were to have a hatchet <laughs> and threaten one of my arms... Exactly, just, just one, not two. Force me to give a name. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Get, let's hear that info. Uh, the one with the likeliest chance... Oh, let me put it, way, let me put it this way. The one that no, not a lot of people would be upset about would be Nykthos. Otherwise, the other three, Copter, Nyssa, and Nexus of Fate are probably going down. Nissa and Copter, I would give a serious look at, yes. All right. Now, we're going to hold you to that. If you're wrong, we're going to go on your Twitter, and we're going to make sure just to spam you that, oh, how could you? I, I invested so heavily in this being banned. Uh, now, it's, now, it's, now it's incorrect. So to do that, what is your Twitter handle, sir? Ah, my Twitter handle is at uh, PopuMTG, P-O-P-P-U underscore M-T-G. Fantastic. So if you're going to put... Uh, Again, we, we made you do a a ban list. So if you're gonna put a you know a sleeper deck that we haven't talked about, what would that one deck be before we leave? One that we haven't mentioned yet. One that we uh, haven't mentioned yet. Something something from left field. I mean, traumatized Frank Sanity is my my personal guess, but there's got to be something else. That that thing you haven't uh, told people about. In, in Pioneer, I would say Simic uh, Ensoul. The same concept as the Is It Ensoul artifact deck, but in blue green. So, funny you said that. My friend, as we're in the uh, middle of the podcast, I thought I got a message from my wife telling me that, that something happened because I've been watching my phone because she's a bit, in, bit in pain. I got a message from my friend Aaron, and he just messaged me, hey, do you happy to ha- happen to have one extra copy of Insult Artifact laying around? I think I got three at home, but I'm unsure. Please help me out. So, I'm going to go with I'm 100% behind you. Uh, my, my phone tells me this as well. The prediction's there. <laughs> if your phone says it, then who am I? Buy you know, eight copies of the... Foil and Soul Artifact on the get-go and make sure to turn those food tokens from Oko. And uh, let's see what those bands are going to do tomorrow, boys. Well, Oko's going to need a new home. Poor thing. <laughs> He's going to need a new home. Oh, my God. I hope that... You can go back to the woods. 
If Oko gets banned, I'm going to put on this week in MTG's uh, Twitter account a picture of an elk getting hit by a car. That's what's going to happen. I will do it for you guys. The, the real question is, what would you do if it does not get banned? Cry. No, no. Then we're making CJ wear antlers to every podcast for the rest of the uh, rest of the year. And it will get done. Yes. Then we'll put this podcast has been turned into a 3-3 elk token. <laughs> now, which, which formats do you actually see Oko being banned in? Because the big talk is like, ah, oh, standard, standard. But do you think it would deserve to be gone from other eternal formats? I don't right now. Uh, my personal, uh, my personal opinion is that it's just just a standard hog. That's where it's getting, you know, most of the the hate. Once it gets banned in standard, that's when we're going to see even di- uh, bigger dives into pioneer and modern. We're seeing it affect both. Don't get me wrong. If you look at some of the medalists that come up, but because of the speed and so many small hits that's happening right now in pioneer, like mono black aggro or stuff that doesn't even have targets, such as the you know field of the dead combo. I don't think that Oko is going to answer those in Pioneer, but we clearly have ramp answers in Modern. So I think it's just going to affect Standard for now and questionable for Modern in the future. Oh, yeah, he agrees with me. All right, now we can both be wrong and get Twitter hate. Am I right? I've never had a problem with being wrong. I'm I'm wrong way, way, way more than, than I would like. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to hear Gimo be correct where can we find your blog sir uh so i write um every other week i have uh, a blog slash column i write uh on card sphere uh where i go over uh i started by reviewing the metagame changes in modern ever since pioneer came in it it, it was th- it was such a huge splash in the community that i i shifted the um the the main topic of the column for for pioneer metagame changes and i'll i'll go over pretty much what i've what i've discussed here like reviews of the um, tabletop and um, online tournaments. So if you go to blog.cardsphere.com, you'll find a lot of different articles, and they have a extensive collection keeping people into what's uh, what's happening in all the different formats. And you have quite a few articles. A lot of them are focusing on modern, but you spend a ton of time. You're telling us how many hours do you, did you spend just watching the uh, coverage this weekend? Uh, between trying to find uh, Twitch streams from the people who are streaming the PDQ and watching the actual Invitational, I think I'm up to like between 16 and 20 that, over Saturday and Sunday. That is immense amount of time, certainly more than uh, most of us have uh, in the day to uh, dedicate to anything. And these uh, articles that you have are really in-depth. Certainly check it out, um, blog.cardsphere.com. Guillaume, thanks again for uh, coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me again. It was a pleasure. And CJ, you got anything for Guillaume before we leave? Uh, no, he, I think we covered everything. Well, perfect. Uh, thanks again. And guys, this week, I, I just encourage you, tell a friend about uh, the podcast if they want to stay up to date on all things MTG. This is the uh, best source for news. And we shall see you next time. Don't forget to thank our sponsors, MageMarket.com, using promo code THISWEEK for 5% off your order and free shipping for two months and six days. Get on it, get your cards, and we'll see you in the next episode, guys. Let's kick that outro. Thanks for listening to our podcast. <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, oh, no. Seriously, follow guys. and subscribe, or is it just follow? I, you know what? Subscribe, follow, like, share. It's, it's, oh my, it's on Spotify. It's already on Stitcher. We have the RSS feed on the website. Thisweekinmgd.com. That's us. Please share with your friends. Share it up. Outro done.